It's five o'clock, and you know what that means. It's time for the Arts Report on CITR 101.9. Today on the Arts Report, I give you a few updates on some local events. We'll talk a little bit about Shambhala, play some interviews from last year, talk a little bit about Arts Wells. Hello and welcome to the Arts Report for August 1st, 2012. We are your weekly fix of news, arts, reviews, and interviews on 101.9. And, uh, you know, you may also be listening to us on citr.ca. Tweet at us, Facebook at us, email us, call us, send us a carrier pigeon. We'd always love to hear from you. Now, uh, this week, what did I do this week? Well, I actually got to go out to a couple of events. We are preparing to come back strong next week with a bunch of new content. And one of the things that we'll be covering is the Queer Arts Festival. And the Queer Arts Festival is a festival from July 31st, so it started officially last night. And it is put on by uh, Pride in Art, which is a local society, at the Roundhouse uh, just off Davie Street. This year's theme is Random Acts of Queerness. Curated uh, visual art exhibition happened last night, um, the launch, and will be happening until the 18th. And then the whole kind of uh, arts festival goes around this kind of theme of, of random acts of queerness in the visual areas. And we also have some amazing theater pieces as well. Um, I, for example, last night got to see some really uh, amazing art. Uh, I got to see some really cool pieces from Mark Takeshi McGregor. He's actually a Vancouver-based flautist, but when he's not performing he uh, as a flautist, he is a, a drawer and a painter and a really beautiful artist. Um, he's been recently exhibited uh, in the Japanese Canadian Heritage Museum. Another one that I really, really liked was Noel Silver. If you go uh, to the website, which is Queer Arts Festival. Dot com. Noel Silver's work is actually representative of the entire festival. His piece uh, of John Cage smoking some dragon uh, is representative of the uh, entire visual arts section. To tell you a little bit about the idea of random acts of queerness, um, John Cage... Uh, it's his 100th birthday, and he was a pioneer of experimental music in the Western world. And he's best known for championing inter indeterminacy. So randomness or without planningness or the um, the unknown. And so they decided to embrace this for the actual theme of the whole festival uh, and this visual art. So you, what, what you got to see and what you can see if you head down to the Roundhouse is a amazing array of art that doesn't necessarily fit together in theme in any other way than it's different from each other. 
but also each individual piece is approaching somehow the idea of queerness, the idea of in, uh, indeterminacy of form or of process or um, of materials. One of my other favorite um, artists that I saw there, um, or rather, um, I won't even say favorite artists because I don't know her whole body of work, but one of the favorite pieces that I saw uh, was uh, from, well, let me check my notes. Okay, so Therese uh, Buchmiller and Radiant Flux was the piece, and it was this huge wall of objects in a color palette, pinks and reds and blacks and whites. And the objects had nothing really to do with each other. Some of them were organic, some of them were man-made, but they uh, together created this kind of crazy, arresting visual image that was both really well-organized and, of course, completely random. And I talked to her briefly, and uh, we maybe will air some of that next week. And she was talking a little bit about how every time she does the piece, it's a little different. For example, the size of the wall that she covers is different. The objects that she used can be different. Even the lighting plays a part. So that was another piece that uh, I really liked and, and mostly just really stood out to me as I came into the room. Uh, another one of the artists that was interesting was... Um, Shelley Stefan. Now she did two pieces. One of them was a series of drawings of ties, which could be found in what I was calling inside my head the man corner, little pool table, pictures of ties, uh, a series of photographs uh, by uh, Rosamond Norbury of uh, young women who had brought to her a persona, a, uh, a male persona, and she took their photographs. And then another one of Shelley Stefan's pieces were, was called. Uh, the primary cock series. So it was a picture of a rooster. We're not going blue here on the Arts Report. It was a picture of a rooster and primary colors and in various situations. And it talked a lot about masculinity and femininity and her her identity as a butch lesbian. So it was a really, uh, really interesting night. Uh, lots of fun, lots of frolicking. Our own uh, CITR Queer FM co-host Barb Snellgrove was the MC. There was some really beautiful music um, from Rachel Iwasa and uh, other musical guests like DJ Tapes, which is a project looking at mixtapes, remixing mixtapes. There was um, live art drawing, so some just some beautiful bodies on display. And another uh, person that I got to talk to was Joel Silver. And Joel Silver is participating in the event when the sun comes out it is happening tomorrow 7 9 to 9 30 and it's 20 dollars in advance uh, with a sliding scale up to 30 dollars at the door at the roundhouse as all these events are and this is canada's first lesbian opera when the sun comes out and it's a workshop performance. Uh, it's also sponsored by the Powell Street Festival Society. And the Powell Street Festival is happening this weekend. So this will be a, a workshop of Canada's first lesbian opera. It's the first opera to focus on the lives of uh, lesbian women. And uh, Joel is not only the... Um, Joel Klein was not only the board president this year, but he was also participating uh, as Queer Arts Festival's favorite baritone. And it tells the story of uh, some very angst-ridden 
relationships in Joel's own words and hopefully they'll be able to produce a full opera next year so uh, stay tuned next week to hear a little bit more about that and please check that out Uh, we had a bunch of really fun events happening tomorrow night Thursday night it's a big night this year and uh, we will uh, give you some more information next week about the queer arts festival so there's another event coming up that I do have a personal interest in. And uh, that is the Sad Mag launch party for Issue 10. And Issue 10 will be launching at the GAM Gallery. And it will be a Vanamo 2 opening. So uh, a few years ago, in 2009, we had a uh, they had a Vanamo show, and it was a um, it was a show about taxidermy. It was a show about the animal form, and Sad Mag was inspired by that, and so they did a Vanamo issue. They're talking about uh, animals, about food, fur, and foraging in an urban and in a rural environment. And this is Vanamo two. The beautiful, beautiful art that's being featured throughout the magazine will be, uh, selections will be featured on the walls at the Remington Gal Gallery and that GAM Gallery. So it's on 110 East Hastings Street from 7 to 11. It's a free event tomorrow night. You can have a drink. You uh, that was locally brewed just for this issue. You can take a look at the new issue. You can take a look at the art on the walls. Some of uh, the artists featured include Janine Frey uh, Nijutli, Jeff Dairolaska, Sarah Clement, Julie Andreevich, Angela Fama, David Ellingston, Monica Koch, Rachel, uh, Rachel Simone, uh, Cody Brown, and more. And uh, one of the fun things about this event is you can pop over to the Cobalt for Pride Ball right after. That's the official after party. Uh, did I mention it's Pride this weekend, y'all? I'm sure you've been listening to Queer FM on Tuesday morning, so you know all the events. Uh, and Sad Mag is a super queer family uh, friendly magazine. Uh, I don't know what it is about queer art that I love talking about so much on this show, but I do think that uh, the queer community has an amazing breadth of experience that goes beyond some of the themes that you see in everyday theater and film. So it always strikes me as something new and interesting and developing uh, whenever I talk about queer art. What we're listening to right now, just as a 10th anniversary, so to speak, is a video you can find online, uh, Sad Mag Issue 1 Launch Party and uh, Cut Copy. little song by Cut Copy. So that's Far Away, track 10 from In Ghost Colors, Cut Copy 2008. And you know what? Check out more information about that online at sadmag.ca. And I will. that's where I am going to be tomorrow uh, night from 7 to 11. I'll be working the bar, so please come by and say hello. 
So speaking of some upcoming events, as we do, uh, I want to take an upcoming break. We're going to take a brief break. And when we get back, we are going to get to our main event, talking a little bit about Shambhala. So please, please stay tuned. Queer Arts Festival in Vancouver is the annual showcase that celebrates queer arts and artists. The festival features a curated visual arts exhibit, a community art show, and three dynamic weeks of cutting-edge performances and workshops from all artistic disciplines, including music, dance, theatre, literary, and media art. This year's theme is Random Acts of Queerness. The festival runs July 31st to August 18th. For more info, visit QueerArtsFestival.com. Sponsored by CITR 101. Become a friend of CITR and get great discounts in the UBC Westside area at The Australian Boot Company, Banyan Books, The Bike Kitchen, The Eatery, Fresh's Best Salsa, Gargoyle's Grill, Gumdrops, Prosson Music, Rufus's Guitar Shop and the UBC Bookstore. It pays to be a friend of CITR. To learn more, come visit us in room 233 of the sub on UBC campus or check us out online at citr.ca. probably recognize that that is Lebanese Blonde by Thievery Corporation and you know I was checking out Shambhala I was looking at their website seeing what kind of artsy things I could tell you about uh, Shambhala as you probably know is happening right now uh, at the very artistic Salma BC and there's lots of amazing acts but you know I was thinking um, this is the song that popped in my head when I was looking at their website Um, this song was I'm like oh you know and then I checked and yes as a matter of fact Thievery Corporation is playing or in fact one half uh, Rob Garza Thievery Corporation will be playing Sunday August 12th 4 o'clock a.m. at the Fractal Forest. Uh, This, of course, uh, is from 1998 and also 2000, Mirror Conspiracy. Uh, And if you are uh, just a mainstream girl like myself, you probably recognize it from the 2000 film Garden State. Garden State. A better soundtrack than movie, I say. And the reason why this is a great segue for us and what I like to do is point out segues so that they no longer function as such is that Lebanese Blonde is actually uh, a style of hashish. And hashish is a drug. And one of the things that we did last year um, and the year before is Adam Yanush decided to uh, take a little bit of a detour from the arts scene. And he wanted to... Uh, talk a little bit about one of the things that Shambhala is most famous for, uh, you know, alongside Burning Man and other uh, amazing art and music festivals of this kind. Drugs. Yep, drugs. So, uh, you know, Vancouver is a place where we have a really interesting relationship with various types of drugs. 
we have different issues of legality, of harm reduction, and more. And so here are a couple of interviews from uh, Adam Yanush uh, talking about harm reduction. How to play safe when you're at these amazing arts and music festivals. So first up, we have Arts Report host Adam Yanush talking to uh, Jamie Macbeth from Anchors. Ancores.bc.ca, a nonprofit society in the Kootenays devoted to harm reduction. Ancores ran a pill testing and chill out space in the 2010 Shambhala Music Festival in Samo, BC, and their conversation focused on what drugs are hot, quote unquote, at big events like Shambhala, as well as the myths of a pure party drug. Uh, you know, and a few other differences. So if you are interested in learning more about the drugs that some people take at these festivals, let's just admit it, um, then this is the interview for you. Um, so please stay tuned for Adam Yanush speaking to Jamie McBeth from Encores. The Arts Report on YouTube. Okay, so tell me a little bit about um, harm reduction and pill testing and um, what goes on in that process. Okay, so harm reduction at a party is trying to meet people where they're at, uh, create a relationship of trust and respect, and find out what people are doing, whether it's drugs or sex or a risky behavior, um, find out what people are doing and try to reduce the risk around that with trust and respect and education. Um, so here, a lot of it is... Uh, we do pill testing, um, we hand out condoms, we talk about obviously like how to take the drugs and the dosage because often there's no real education around dosage, which is dangerous. Um, the pill testing looks like, uh, it's a very simple test, it's simply a reagent test. So what we can do is uh, the client will scrape the pill or open up the cap or give us a little bit of powder and we can put reagent on it. And if it, it can test positive for MDMA, MDA, MDE, so an ecstasy-like substance, it can test positive for ketamine, for speed, for DXM, which is uh, like cough syrup, um, and it can test positive for uh, 2CB or 2CT class family. Uh, if it doesn't show for those, then we simply can say it's not testing for what you thought it was, and so we recommend you don't take it. So. It's not the perfect test, but for what we can afford to do, it it does help prevent overdose. And um, what can it register more than one drug? No. So if it shows positive for MDMA, that's it. Then it it turns black, and then you know that it has the presence of of an MDMA-like substance, and you don't know what it's cut with. So that gives us the window of opportunity to talk about dosage, because uh, what we often see, see at raves is that people are taking four or five hits a night, and one, you're wasting money if you're doing that, right? Why? Why is that? <laughs> the way ecstasy works on the brain is it releases your serotonin and dopamine levels, and after you take two caps of E, it's gone, and it's gone for about a week, right? And so um, that's if it's acting on your serotonin and dopamine. So if you are getting high after your two hits of your two caps of E, you're getting high off the meth or the speed or the drain or whatever is cut into oh, your E, right? Okay. So that's so that's part of the, the deal with education around dosing is it gives it it gives us that opportunity to jump in there and and um, do a little harm management. Okay. Yeah. And what about mixing? What is what are some of the harms of mixing drugs? Oh, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> so a big one. Um, 
Mixing drugs is dangerous, and one thing that we see at raves is a lot of people come from booze culture, kind of like high school booze culture, where you hit it as hard Binge as you can, culture. right? Yeah. And so trying to do that with drugs is just asking to die. <laughs> um, so one of the big dangers is mixing a depressant with a depressant, right? So GHB or ketamine with alcohol. Uh, GHB is the number one ODer at raves. Um, there's a lot of uh, at a at a high dose you go into a GHB coma and then lots of things can happen where you can vomit and choke on your own vomit or simply you just don't wake up your respiration your respiratory system just conks out. Right. So the depressing effects are so strong that you just basically yeah. stop. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but also mixing uppers with downers is also dangerous because your heart can get freaked out and stop. Um, at uh, at raves. At parties, also mixing alcohol with any drug is dangerous. And why? There's a sign in there. There's a sign in there. It says alcohol plus, plus drugs equals like equals bad news. Bad and news. and actually, a lot of people are like, no, it's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, it's not the greatest thing to do. Like for instance, most ecstasy overdoses happen when people are drinking alcohol. It's just toxic. And there's some designer drugs that are sold as ecstasy at, at big parties, uh, like 2CT7, which if you mix it with alcohol, it's deadly. Deadly, oh, really? deadly, yes. And so if you don't, again, if you don't have testing, just to promote harm reduction, if you don't have testing facilities, you don't know what you're taking, your risk increases, right? Harm reduction in general um, and, and pill testing and that sort of thing, education, mm -hmm. I'm going to guess you feel that that works better than promoting abstinence. abstinence, especially at raves where people aren't coming here to abstain. Sure. Okay, so I think there's two ways of looking at it. Abstinence is a choice in the harm reduction model, interestingly, right? Harm reduction is simply creating a relationship of honesty and trust by education, by giving someone all the facts. If you look at the traditional abstinence model, often the facts are not given, right? If, if, if you look at uh, teaching safe sex in schools by teaching abstinence-based approach, they don't teach the whole truth. So what you're offering is you're offering every single choice, all the information someone needs to make an educated choice. Abstinence might be within that educated choice, right? So harm reduction is not antithetical to, to abstinence. It's not the opposite of abstinence. No. Like, for instance, uh, what I often hear, this old school idea of, uh, well, you're, you're promoting sex or you're promoting drugs, right? And the truth is, what we know as harm reduction practitioners is that people are going to do this behavior, right? People are going to do drugs, people are going to drink, people are going to have sex. So when we hide what we do, our risk increases. Fact. Yeah. Our risk increases. So when, when we don't have knowledge about the things that we're doing, yeah. it's it's more bad news. It equals a greater amount of yeah. bad news. It's is a that... new sign. <laughs> it's a new <laughs> sign for the harm reduction test. <laughs> With some people that I've talked to, um, they make a discrepancy between ecstasy and MDMA. Are you are you uh -huh. hearing that from people? And sure, sure, sure. because back back sure. in my day, I mean, it was just ecstasy, and, yeah. and there wasn't uh, that distinction wasn't made. Ecstasy meant MDMA, mm -hmm. and sometimes it was cut with something else. Mm -hmm. But now, are, are you hearing that? Sure. So um, I think part of that is about 
Uh, people ever really want to believe that their stuff is pure. <laughs> and I have to say, as a drug tester, uh, you kind of need a time machine to get pure MDMA, right? So ecstasy, my understanding of ecstasy, is a party drug that is usually some MDMA and a bit of speed or a bit of meth or something slipped in there so you can dance for 14 hours straight, right? Um, back in the day, like when MDMA was created and MDA was created, back in the 70s or 80s in the US, it was used for um, couples counseling and it was super chill. It wasn't, you didn't want to go dance for 12 hours, you wanted to spill your guts to the person you love and tell them every little detail about yourself. Uh, so, so it has been modified. Um, but I think there's kind of a, uh, people have fallen in love with the chemistry of party drugs and so there's a lot of um, people with knowledge talking a lot. <laughs> in a good way or a bad way? <laughs> <laughs> um, people are people are trying to be involved, right? And that that has different faces. Interesting. It's yeah. funny. Uh, I'm curious about what that means. A lot of people are very interested now in the chemistry of these drugs, especially MDMA and others. And yeah. and are you saying are you saying that they they think they know a lot of things that they <laughs> don't actually know anything about? Well, I won't I won't go that far. <laughs> but I, I think you know you always have kind of armchair revolutionaries in the world and this the scene is no different it's like we always get someone and there's people who have incredible knowledge there are people who who are little chemists like little amateur chemists right and have studied this stuff and and have tested it on themselves and tested it on their friends and and so there's a whole spectrum of knowledge out there um but i think kind of there's ownership around the names and the chemistry and yeah. like i'm super hardcore <laughs> i know like yeah, whatever i, I take two ci Ten, blah, blah, blah. And I know that it's methylene dioxy, <laughs> yeah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, so that's part of the scene, too. Okay. <laughs> I, I think you touched on this, that um, people make assumptions about the purity of their stuff. Um, yeah. A, a common one that I've heard is that um, when it's powder, yeah. it's pure. But if it's pressed, yeah. oh, it's got stuff in it. I mean, is there any truth to that kind of stuff? Or, okay, so... Or, or um, pressed versus... Um, Capsules. Okay, so what I can say is by merit of a pressed tab, a pressed pill, it's less pure because it has to have a binder in it, right? And it's easier to throw a bunch of, can I say shit? Yes, throw a bunch can. of shit in there. It's easier, right? And in our testing, pressed pills are always, almost always the culprits. Always. And I can actually reveal some information about that later. Um, the caps, if you open up a cap, if, if you're experienced enough, you can open up a cap. You can look at the powder and see if it's mixed. It's not rocket science, right? Uh, but I think there is a, a love affair with this idea of purity, and, and I hear it all the time. Uh, this Shambhala, it's been about 2CB. It's like, it's so pure. I got 2CB, and none of them have been 2CB. Really? <laughs> we don't know what they are, but they're not 2CB. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. And then you were saying you had some information you could give about something. Well, that, that, was, <laughs> that, that, was, it. that was my little gem for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you for that little, little bonus. Well, um, thank you very much uh, about uh, for speaking to me about this. Yeah. Is there anything else about um, this pavilion that you'd like to, to mention or any? Well, I guess maybe if I can say something about, um, about partying yeah. is uh, just going back to the GHB factor is... I just urge people, if you're choosing to do GHB as a party drug, as a recreational drug, be super careful about your dose. Be super careful about if you are drinking alcohol, like don't drink alcohol and take yeah. GHB. Be really careful about your dose because it goes from you're intoxicated to you're in a coma like that. And, uh, I mean, 
last year there was something like 15 overdoses for GHB, and it's just really dangerous. So I would love, and it's dangerous on many levels, right? It's like if you're a person passed out on the ground, if you're a young woman passed out on the ground, this is not an innocent world, unfortunately. So what, even here in Shambhala, it's not all purely in innocent. Shambhala, yeah, tragically, tragically, there's a dark side to all humanity. So um, I would just urge people to to be aware if you're choosing if you're choosing to play, then know what you're playing with. That's what I would say. Yeah. Thank you very much. No problems. Don't miss the Arts Report on CITR Radio in Vancouver, 101.9 FM. That's Wednesdays at 5 p.m. We're also streaming online at CITR.ca every Wednesday at 5. And uh, don't miss our podcast, which you can find, yep, at CITR.ca. Man knows what he is talking about. And that is Delhi to Dublin, Bangra Celtic Fusion. They'll actually be playing Thursday, August 9th at Shambhala at the Rock Pit at 7.30. Um, did I just say Shangri-La? Shambhala, Shangri-La, it's all the same, you guys. I would really like to go next year, I think. It's been long enough that I have not been going. And they're a Vancouver group uh, that combines... Bangra and Celtic roots, uh, so very multicultural. And actually, I think it works really, really well. And I've seen them live a couple of times on various festivals. So, what are some of the artsy things you can do at Shambhala? You're a music lover, you're going up there for the experience, but what should you check out? What should you keep an eye out for? Well, I have looked through and I've picked out a few things for you. A lot of it is dance. Makes sense, obviously. Good combination with music, if I don't say so myself. So, Chris Murdoch will be prepare, uh, performing with Lucitera. Lucitera is actually a, a fusion belly dance group from uh, Vancouver, BC. And I've seen them at the Vancouver International Burlesque Fest and on various performance stages uh, around Vancouver. They also perform sometimes separately. And so Lucitera and Chris Murdoch will be doing a belly dance and circus performance. You'll have some contemporary dance, juggling, circus arts, fat beats, and more. Uh, they're going to have some uh, self-mused self-mixed music selections and uh, they really are amazing to behold if you would like to check them out around town uh, they can be found at guilt and company in gastown very regularly um they've actually performed with delhi to dublin and in very um really cool festivals like live at squamish or seattle folklife and of course shambhala so that's something to check out. They will be performing Thursday, August 9th at 12 p.m. at The Rock Pit. And then we have Muse. Muse will be traveling uh, about the festival, enjoying the amazing um, melodies and movements. They are uh, an artistic, interactive dance and body 
manipulation. What we're listening to right now is their video on ShambalaMusicFestival.com on the artist list, so you can check them out there. And if you watch the video, they are... I, as soon as I saw them, I said, they're new age go-go dancers. And I say that with the utmost respect. They are going to be throughout the festival dancing, bending, contorting, and generally keeping the mood high and sexy. So uh, if you find any of these dancers, uh, tell them that you really love Musée. You've checked them out online and uh, you found out about them at the Arts Report. And then tell them to listen to the Arts Report because they seem like pretty cool ladies. They promote positive vibrations and the awareness of one's body and, of course, a love of movement. And finally, in terms of love of movement, we have our own Sweet Soul Burlesque. They will be performing um, Sunday, August 12th, 9.30 p.m. again at the Rock Pit. And they are, of course, a local burlesque troupe that we've talked about before since 2003. They're the oldest troupe in Vancouver. Uh, They've won a bunch of awards, such uh, as being nominated for Best International uh, Burlesque uh, Burlesque Troupe at the International Burlesque Hall of Fame. They also do hip-hop and other uh, musical numbers, so please check them out as well. Finally, you can check out the Shambhala Collective. This is a group of artisans and artists who can share their creations with the community. They are going to be bringing wares from all over the world. So, you know, it's basically a little market and you can check out uh, a bunch of really cool artists and artisans who are supporting themselves and festival. Um, These are people who are not getting in for free. You have to come in to the festival and they are selling their wares. So please go and support artists from all around Canada. All right. So uh, the sanctuary will be open as well. Um, It's a calm, safe haven to uh, rest, relax, and take a few quiet minutes in the middle of all this beautiful madness. Anchors will be back. Uh, They've been serving the Kootenays for over 13 years. So they're going to be back, and they're going to be talking about STI prevention and safe partying when you're enjoying all these art and music. I am going to play... The second of two interviews that Adam did with Jamie Macbeth. So they're going to be talking a little bit more about the harm reduction model and some trends. So this would have been uh, up to date as of 2011, last summer. They chat about piperazines, which is a substitute for ecstasy, the rise in popularity of ketamine, the economics of cutting drugs, and the lower number of overdoses at Shambhala 2011. And just a note, uh, one of the reasons that I'm uh, playing these uh, interviews is, A, is summertime, the living's easy, these are great interviews, and they're already cut and ready. But No pun intended, just joking, pun intended. Also, um, I think that one of the ways that a lot of people enjoy art um, of any kind, they enjoy festivals like Pride. They enjoy music uh, and music events and festivals. 
you know, drugs are involved. And I want all of my little AR listeners to remain safe and happy if you choose to partake in things over this weekend and throughout the whole summer while you're out there getting a taste of the culture of wherever you are. So please be safe, be happy, and enjoy this interview between Adam Yanush and Jamie Macbeth about how to keep safe this summer. You're listening to The Arts Report on YouTube. Uh, man, we, we talked about a lot of, lot of stuff last year, so... Uh, I guess we'll just have to talk about a lot of stuff this time around. Um, one thing I noticed, uh, I had a visit to the to the uh, harm reduction pill testing tent, and um, I asked them, "What's what are you guys seeing a lot? What's 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 news uh, this time around?" And piperzines was uh, was a theme for this year. What what are they? Okay, so piperzines uh, have been on the scene for a while. Yeah. They're kind of an alternative to MDMA, so they're created as. MDMA substitute. Uh, three years ago, they were at Shambhala under the the name Pure Pills. It was a Toronto-based company because until 2010, they were legal substances still to sell. And Pure Pills was selling them as an herbal uh, substitute for MDMA, which is a lie. <laughs> so, so piperzines. There's three kinds of piperzines. Um, for some people, they work really well. It's it's very similar to MDMA for the people it works for. It's euphoric and fun and you get more energy uh, for the people it doesn't work for and that seems to be the majority of people that I come into contact with they get really bad migraines they get nauseous they get fevers they get um, uh, like really bad lockjaw or chewiness um, yeah it's not a fun fun scene for a lot of people uh, there's there's a test that will test for one type of piperzine but not all three types of piperzine and the two most common types of piperzine we can't test for so that's often the deal at Shambhala is people are selling piperzines as ecstasy or 2CB or something like that and it's not it's a piperzine is that some of the unknowns that you're getting Could, the that's what I suspect yeah. that's what I suspect I also suspect so in our testing we have come across a lot of unknowns this year or, or inconclusive so yeah. to remind our, our audience um <laughs> What we can test for is, it's not a purity test, it's a reagent test, so we can test for the existence of uh, MDMA, and if there's no MDMA, we can, or MDMA-like substance, we can test for ketamine speed, uh, 2CT group, like 2CT7, 2CI, 2CB, um, DXM, did I say ketamine? Anyways, yes. we can test for those. <laughs> yeah. um, and we can't test for, for purity. We can't test for anything else. Right. So if those substances don't show up, what we can say to people is, you thought you were buying ecstasy. It's not testing for anything we can test for. We recommend you don't take it. Right. Um, so what's happening a lot this year is stuff is showing up with very trace amounts or nothing at all. Right. And so people are feeling like the tests aren't working. But in actual fact... It could be piperzines. It could be a psychostimulant that doesn't show up on our radar, like Foxy. Um, or it could be garbage, which right. I suspect uh, it's a lot of garbage. And why would it be garbage? Why would dealers sell? <laughs> why would they do such a thing? Well, despite that every dealer sells really pure shit. Right. Um, it is a <laughs> Mine's the purest on so the So pure. It's pure MDMA. Uh, it's a capitalist industry, right? Yeah. And Shambhala is very much a capitalist industry. People are here to make money. And so um, press pills in general tend to be less pure than caps because by merit of being a press pill, it, it has binder in it. Yeah. And then it's just so easy and tempting to put more stuff in. Um, 
And so at least about 38% of what we test is not what we test it for, right? right? So uh, it's a, you know, people want to make money and yeah. I, I think people are like making crap and selling it. Uh, and then just to uh, speak a little bit more broadly, um, how does this year compare to, to last year? Uh, are people, are there more overdoses, are there less, are they being more responsible, less responsible? What's your take? Well, actually it's been a really great year, in, in my opinion, and I think in First Aid's opinions at Shambhala. Um, less overdoses, woohoo! So it feels, right. it feels a lot more chill, yeah. and it feels like, um, by Thursday and Friday last year, there had been something like 15 or 20 GHB overdoses, like eight intubations, people being rushed to the hospital, and I think we've had you know four or five GHB overdoses so GHB is our number one overdoser right. now ketamine is ketamine is climbing up there ketamine is climbing so ketamine yeah. is becoming more popular it's oh. becoming more like yeah. the one that everybody's doing yeah like even in the past three years it was always ecstasy that everyone was doing yeah. and now it's like everyone's wanting to mix now ecstasy and ketamine together which is a bit terrifying why is that terrifying <laughs> Um, ecstasy is an upper, right? It has it has meth or speed cut into it, and uh, ketamine is a disassociative. It's a downer, and yeah. so that's pretty confusing for your body. Right. Um, for your hearts. And yeah, you know, and uh, just just one one of the deals at Shambhala is people just mix. They just mix like crazy, and so um, people lose track of how they feel. They lose track of their they're grounding with their body and so right so whereas before on E they could at least uh, maybe a little bit more feel like okay I've danced for an hour and a half straight without any yeah 15 <laughs> hours without water maybe I should have a seat and have yeah. a breather with ketamine they're a little bit dissociated from their bodies and, and don't don't well, feel how they're feeling at a low dose ketamine is kind of hallucinogen and it's trippy and fun and light and people can still dance and have a good time at a higher dose as I'm sure you know people will slip into a K-hole yeah. so the K-hole isn't the biggest party situation, right? right? I mean, it's a surprising festival drug, um, but there, there's lots of K-holing, and so, uh, and and of course this year people are starting to mix alcohol with ketamine, or mix GHB, or mix oxys with ketamine, or, you know, yeah. that, that kind of use, and so it's just really sketchy because um, up plus down is dangerous, but down plus down is dangerous, so. Right, and uh, with ketamine, what is, what is the risk? I think there's a general impression out there that it's, it's like a veterinary drug, so it's oh. it's sort of more. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> ha, ha, you scoff at that. Um, so, so ketamine is used in dentistry. It's used in medicine. It's used in uh, vet vet medicine. Um, but the thing that people should hold is is especially at a festival like this. Um, ketamine is going to be coming from Vancouver, from Calgary, and en route, it's got eight hours each way, right? It's going to get cut. It's going to get cut. Again, it's a it's a business. So yeah. most ketamine is buffed, so that's something to keep in mind. It's what? Uh, buffed. It's, sorry, that's, a, <laughs> that's one of our terms. It means it's cut with something. Um, and you want to be careful because if you're taking high doses, you don't know what else you're taking, right? And, and uh, uh, buffing agents can be dewormer, can be, you know, it can be pretty much Anything any white powder. And, oh. and you want to be careful with that. Um, and what about putting things in your nose? There's risks there too, no? Sure, sure. <laughs> and then I think the other thing is that, um, I mean, ketamine is injected, it's snorted and occasionally taken orally, but it, it is very psychologically addictive, it is. Um, for the people it works for, they really dig the K-hole and it can be psychologically addictive. And just, just and in so this... You mean, and you say psychologically versus, um, what, biologically or... or... Um, 
well, in, in addictions, there's kind of a, a couple different understandings. Like some, like heroin or an opiate, right? Um, you will get physically ill, physically Ill. Where, where you get dope sick when, when, you're, you're, when you're coming down from the drug and you need more drug. Um, ketamine, you're not going to get physically ill, but your mind is going to want it. Yeah, you're going to miss the, the happy vibes that you had. Or the escape or the no body or whatever, whatever right. it is that works for you, right? right. Um, and that's not all people. Not all people dig the K-hole even. Um, it's, it's just a concern here because <clears throat> so some of the risks with ketamine is that uh, you can barf, right? So if you're K-holing and you're folded in half or you're lying down and you don't have a sitter, it's a really good idea to have a sitter when you're K-holing. Um, you could throw up and you can breathe that in or swallow it and choke on it. So that's a big risk. And then just down plus down is dangerous. And what we're seeing here is people will, will do um, acid and ecstasy for, you know, like 12 hours and then they'll start hitting K and it's just a lot for the body. Right. It's a big stress. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, let's, uh, let's back up a little and talk about uh, harm reduction. Um, I, I, would you agree that Shambhala's got a really good harm reduction, um, you know, te teamwork of, of the, you know, pill testing, uh, first aid? Uh, there's also a new thing this year, the, the women's... The uh, sexual assault team. Sexual assault mm -hmm. team. Women's safe that. space. Yeah. Well, I, I think at Shambhala we actually get to see harm reduction happen, which is awesome. Um, I think I think it's what... Uh, let me be careful with my words here. I think that uh, Shambhala was a small festival that grew very big. And in, in suddenly growing to a small city size, right, of 14,000 people, um, it changed and now I think Shambhala is really trying to bring it back to more art and more artistic creation and and a little less away from the mythology of like woohoo party party party, party, party yeah. yeah drug 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 drugs right. and uh, <clears throat> the reality is, is drugs are done here and a lot of drugs are done here and so what is fantastic about the harm reduction team at Shambhala is we, we, we kind of joke and call it forage instead of triage as we have <laughs> Uh, the sanctuary, which does psychedelic counseling safe space for people. So if you're wigging out um, or having a bad, rea bad reaction to your drugs, you can go there and there's people to counsel you and talk you through it. There's an amazing first aid team and like it's really just like a field hospital, right? Like the fact that people are intubating out here, it's just madness. Yeah. Um, we have our pill testing and condoms and, you know, uh, talking about dosage and overdosage and mixing at, at the anchor's tent. And then this year we have a women's only sexual assault safe space team. And <clears throat> it's been a quiet year for them so far, but it's a really positive move to have it. Sexual assault is a hidden, quiet reality of festivals like Shambhala. And each year is different uh, for, for sexual assault, but it's a very uh, terrible reality that exists. And so it's great that that, that is up and running. Hmm. Well, I think we've covered quite a bit of ground. Is there is there anything else that uh, you'd want to... <sighs> Well, I'm really happy with the, the, the feel, the vibe this year at Shambhala is really positive. It's a lot more chill than usual, um, and it's, it's great to be part of it. And it's great, too, to see that um, people seem to be more focused this year on having fun rather than heading to overdose, which I really appreciate. So that's great. Now, don't be modest. What do you attribute that to? <laughs> Myself. No, just kidding. <laughs> I, I think there's a number of factors, and I'm sure all of us in the harm reduction forage would like to toot our own horns. Um, I know that, uh, and people will hate this, but the cops took a lot of stuff from people on the way in, right? A lot, like today, today someone was popped for 2,000 pills of ecstasy and a whole bunch of cocaine, and they got arrested and pulled out. So 
as much as people don't want to see that happening here, um, reducing the access does help quality control, right? Um, yeah, so I, less drugs, less crap. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, hopefully. I mean, there's still a lot of inconclusive tests, but um, we get to... Our, our tent is within first aid and within sanctuary this year, and so we're all together, and so I think there's a lot more visibility. Um, and I'm just hoping that the word is getting out there. I mean, or maybe it's a shift. Maybe people are moving away from GHB and moving more to ketamine, or right. I'm not sure. Right. But in any case, um, it's very heartening for me that, that there are fewer overdoses. So great. that's great. Don't miss the Arts Report on CITR Radio. Thank you very much, Adam and Jamie. Uh, of course, Shambhala is Canada's premier electronic music festival, August 8th to 13th this year. Uh, you can check out the amazing artistry that comes from music and light and dance coming together. And we are going to take a break. And when we get back, we are going to be talking uh, briefly about the art swells festival um and that is music and film and dance and stuff like that and uh, we're just going to talk a little bit to cj now cj is going to be doing discorder radio coming up this uh next hour so if you want to get a little preview stick around want to know what's up at ubc read the ubc it's only the largest student newspaper in Western Canada, and it's written and edited entirely by UBC students. The UBC is your source for on-campus news, culture, and sports. New editions come out every Monday and Thursday. For breaking news, as well as amazing videos and blogs, check out ubc.ca. Megaphone Magazine presents Then and Now, a unique night of music featuring Beekeeper. Enjoy your favorite songs from Ma Petite, Sydney York, and many more. It's happening on Tuesday, August 21st at 9 p.m. at the Biltmore Cabaret. Tickets are $10 and all proceeds go to the Megaphone Magazine, which provides a voice and economic opportunities for the homeless and low-income community. Sponsored by CITR 101.9 FM. And we're back. And yeah, Megaphone is, uh, well, Megaphone's not having a fundraiser. Here's something funny. So we uh, are happy to provide that free PSA for Megaphone, which you can actually do for your not-for-profit event, PSAs at CITR.ca. And we thought that, oh, Megaphone's doing a fundraiser and Beekeeper's going to be there. Great. We do the PSA. Amanda gets back in touch with us. She's helping organize the promotion for the event. She says, actually, Beekeeper is throwing the fundraiser. So we hope to have her on our August 15th show. If you want to hear more about it, please check out uh, Megaphone Magazine online. They are an amazing um, downtown Eastside, supported and sold and contributed to magazine where... People can write about their experiences and then uh, sell those uh, magazines on uh, street corners as vendors and they can make a little bit of money for themselves and, uh, you know, just just get a leg up in the world. So if you see someone selling the megaphones, they are not 
panhandlers anymore. They're businessmen and women, and I think we should support them and, you know, uh, throw some, they've already bought those. They've made an investment, and now they need to sell them. And uh, I think that it's a, it's a great program. So um, I'm going to play you a little C.R. Avery, who's going to be at the upcoming Arts Wells um, show. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about some of the art you can see. And uh, C.J. will tell us a little bit about the music. Folk singer, take two. So funny. So that is C.R. Avery, folk singer uh, from his release in 2011. So Art Swells, CJ, can you tell us a little bit about this festorama of music and art in Barkerville, B.C.? Absolutely. Well, it's not just in Barkerville, B.C., but it's also in Wells, B.C., which apparently are neighboring towns and... Uh, Interesting fact that I learned from uh, the writer, Laurel Borman, who is our editor. Barkerville was the largest town north of San Francisco and west of Chicago for a while before Seattle and um, some other city. <laughs> but, it was a big town. Yeah, it was a big town. But um, in this, this festival is really interesting. It's, about, it's southeast of Prince George and uh, about a 750-kilometer ride north of Vancouver. And it would take you about 10 hours to get there. So if you're listening to the show, you might be planning to head out there tomorrow, um, which will be a great ride. It's only $110 weekend pass, and that's fantastic because there are going to be about 100 different performances there, which is about, like, you know, uh, $1.5 per performance, which is fantastic for a four-day festival. Um... And, um, yeah, some fantastic names there, too. Ray Spoon, Jasper Sloan Yip. And I've been going through their lineup, and it seems like they've, they've pretty much contacted everybody they could find <laughs> to get there. Now, uh, Jasper Sloan Yip, where do I know that name from? Uh, 
I'm not sure. Isn't well? Didn't he compete in in Shindig? Did he? That's or am I thinking of someone else? I'm not sure. It I happens. Anyway, those are uh, another local that's going out in is CR Avery, as uh, you can hear. And we got some fun uh, theater, dance, that kind of thing. So, for example, film. Got a couple of films showing. Uh, for example, like On the Line, an eco-adventure documentary. Mm-hmm. Follow Frank Wolf and Todd McGowan on their 2,400-kilometer journey by foot, bike, raft, and kayak as they seek to uncover the truth about a proposed $5.5 billion oil pipeline. Uh, Let's see, what else do we have going on? So we have the 14th annual One Minute Play Festival. Artswell's festival uh, is presenting it, um, also sponsored by MLA Bob Simpson. So, um, you know political figures getting in on the art support. Uh, there's a cash, ca- small tiny, teeny tiny cash prizes for a teeny tiny uh, teeny tiny film uh, or play. So uh, you can sign up. Uh, it's happening at Sunday at 7 o'clock if you want to uh, see that while you're up there. And uh, we have uh, Go Go Bonkers which is an eco-friendly outside the box songwriting duo and uh, they have decided to incorporate live musical theater uh, and you can see them on Saturday and Sunday afternoons and evenings Uh, they will be doing live musical theater as well as a series of YouTube webisodes that feature characters from their live show and then as far as books are concerned because you know I love a good book um, there's going to be lots of uh, cool talks going on um, we have actually friend of the show and friend of CITR Geoff Burner or Jeff Burner if you were to pronounce that properly um, who is uh, going to give a talk about Klesmer music and we'll talk about his upcoming uh, soon to be published novel Festival Man uh, and then we have a bunch of other cool people like, for example, All Roads Lead to Wells. It's a book launch and it's actually a novel that tells the story of some young men and women who moved to Wells in the 60s and 70s. So uh, if you were as interested in the history of Barkerville as uh, CJ was, then that will probably give you a little bit more information. Um, I am going to wrap up and you know what? We're going to hand over the mic and the ones and twos to CJ, who's going to do Discorder Radio. CJ, uh, what kind of music do you have coming up for us in the next half hour? Well, I've been going through the lineup for Barkerville and uh, or Art Spells, that is, and uh, I see some really great um, reggae uh, artists in there. So up next, I'm going to be playing Genghis Gandhi's with their track "Flat Broke." So stay tuned. This is CITR 101.9 FM. Yep, yep. And that was CJ. And this is me, Megan, signing off for the Arts Report. Next week, we're going to have uh, a lot of fun stuff for you, including uh, clips from the Queer Arts Festival Art Party and uh, Turkey in the Woods. Hopefully, we'll be able to talk to Jan Derbyshire. We will also have uh, some guests from the upcoming Sin City, which you may know from Clo 23, they are doing a fetish art show. And so I thought that would be a lot of fun to talk about. And uh, then we'll may, uh, do a little preview of the Queer Film Fest. That's going to be a sexy show. Stay tuned. Good night.